High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Alison Tucker, who is an author and breast cancer survivor. I received her book last week. It's called My Best Worst Year, A Breast Cancer Story, a personal and authentic account of one woman's experience. And I've got to tell you, I loved this book. And I think that this is the book that you have to read if you are going through a journey, if you have family members or friends, you want to buy the book, you want to read it, you want some, um, besides the personal story, some really, really um, uplifting information, informative information. It's all here in this book. So without further ado, Alison, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Nikki, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Well, you know, I just think that, you know, people, and I heard it just the other day, someone said, they were talking to me and they said, yes, no, her brother's got, and she lowered her voice and she said, the sea. Um, and, you yes. know, when I first started doing this show, Alison, that's what it was. It was like the C word. And the more I do the show and the more I interview cancer warriors, cancer survivors, um, and you see the incredible strength um, and how how much growth can take place along this journey, you, it's not a, a quiet little C, you know. It's rather the C that's there for many people um, to make them bigger, to make them overcome such a tremendous amount. And so what I'm saying really is that what, that's what I found in your book. I just found that that this this experience for you just gave you so much more, um, and and that's why you're sharing it. And I suppose it might call it my best and worst year. But let me not put my version of it on you. Tell me, why did you decide to write the book? So, Nikki, what happened is um, I was diagnosed the day before Christmas in 2016, and at the time I heard that I had cancer, I just thought, well, if you get cancer, you just you die and you, you go through treatment and you, you curl up in your bed and you spend all those months through treatment in your bed. And I was so pleasantly surprised that um, uh, these days a cancer diagnosis does mean that you can still lead a productive life, even although they are tough times. They're many tough times, but you can still lead a productive life. In the in the olden days, so to speak, people used to mention the C word between cupped hands. They used to whisper it. I remember yes. as a child, that's how people referred to cancer. Right. Um, and yet, these days, people will talk about HIV and AIDS quite um, openly, as they didn't some years ago. But cancer is still this needs to be demystified for many, and the, the stigma um, attached to cancer needs to be removed through people talking about it openly. So, what happened in my yes. case? I was diagnosed, and I. Um, I thought for me to be able to get through this, I'm going to have to keep a positive mindset. And I had a, a little, um, the night before I started my chemotherapy, I was going for a cycle on the beachfront trying to work out some angst. And I had a, a puncture. And I was muttering under my breath and annoyed that I had to push the bike back to the gym. And I thought if a little thing like this gets you down, going through treatment going to really get you down, you better get positive. So I started um, what was a gratitude diary on, on just on Facebook. It was an album I did myself as a way of trying to be positive, uh, think of something positive every day, whether that was someone I was grateful for or something, and it ended up almost documenting my, my cancer experience. And then I had lots of people referred to me who'd been diagnosed, who I talked to, and at one stage I thought, I need to write all this down because I might start forgetting it or I might screen it out, 
And actually, it would be far easier to, to just send someone some writing if they asked me about chemo or radiation or whatever experience they were going through. Um, and I never, ever thought I could um, assume the word author for myself. But slowly over time, my writing became my manuscript. And then the next thing, boom, it was a book. So I've been very uh, – the, the whole – the start of gratitude ended up as a book. Um, and it's my way of expressing gratitude for a positive cancer experience as well. Mm. You said that the, the power of gratitude is something that you really, really learned during this time. Um, how is one grateful when one is diagnosed with breast cancer? You know, it might sound um, a bit, um can't find the right word now, but when, when I was diagnosed, you do ask, and other people say, why you? And I, you say, why me? And then when I thought deeply about it, I thought, well, if it has to be someone, why not me? I had very good uh, medical insurance, so I knew I was covered financially. I didn't have um, children at the time that I had, you know, had to feed and get off to school and things like that. Um, so by all, for all accounts, um, if someone had to get it, I was probably a good person to get it um, because I didn't have all those other responsibilities. Having said that, it's, it's not an easy thing to digest. So when I was first diagnosed, I, I did struggle to say my oncologist or my cancer. So it took me a while before I could really take ownership of it um, and start dealing with it. The gratitude, the, was this something that um, only after the treatment, after coming through it, you turn around and say, oh, I'm so grateful I got through it? Or was it something as you reach from one milestone to the next, as you've been through, you know, even if it was just one treatment on one day, were you able to find gratitude in the smaller things? And and before you answer, we're going to take a quick break and then let, let's, okay. let's really unpack this gratitude a little bit more. Please stay with us. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. I have Alison Tucker on the show today who's just written a book called My Best Worst Year, A Breast Cancer Story. Um, so Alison, as I said earlier, we really are delighted to have you on the show this October, of course, being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, we really are shining the light on breast cancer this month. So just before the break, you know, I asked you about gratitude. You said, I learned the power of gratitude a learning that I will cherish forever and that I will draw on in no small measure in the good times and the bad. And gratitude, we know um, how it can change how you feel about the world, how you feel about yourself. So just before the break, I said, you know, for you, was it the big gratitude when you got through it? Or did you manage to find ways of finding gratitude kind of one moment as you got through one milestone at a time? And if so, how? So, Nikki, um, gratitude for me was something that I looked at on a daily basis throughout my treatment. And it came in all shapes and sizes and forms. Sometimes it was just um, being eternally grateful for the support of friends or something that a friend did for me in the day. Sometimes it would even um, come out of quite negative experiences. So, for example, um, when one does, one would think that a cancer patient would think they'd have a, had a lucky escape if their bloods aren't good enough to actually have the chemotherapy administered. But mm -hmm. you are so happy to have that chemo on the day because you know that your protocol is not compromised at all. So actually even feeling grateful to have good, good enough bloods in order to have the, sit in the chemo chair for the, the session was mm -hmm. um, gratitude in itself. And then there were little 
things, uh, gratitude, also from a medical point of view of things like I managed to get through the, the chemotherapy treatment without um, having a port. Um, so uh, I think every, every single day you would be able to find gratitude um, through something or other. There was one day where I really had to dig very, very deep. I had um, gone to Johannesburg on business from Durban and um, all the flights were being cancelled and I just booked more and more flights but none of the flights were leaving and I had to check into a hotel. And when you're having treatment, little things feel big. So I felt overwhelmed and tearful and I got into the room and I thought, no, I have to do a gratitude post. But what am I grateful for in a horrible day like this? And there was this beautiful little flower sitting on the edge of the bath in the hotel room. And I thought, there you are. There's beauty all around us if you really look hard enough. Mm-hmm. So that was my gratitude for the day. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful, Alison. I love that, you know, to actively seek something to be grateful for. So just as a tip, really, for our listeners, so for you going on to Facebook and having this daily gratitude journal, and that worked for you because you knew you had to do it. So even when it was feeling, yes. you weren't feeling great, just the mere fact that you had to do it, you had committed to it, shifted things for you. There's a saying that it's difficult to feel gratitude and to feel depressed at the same time. Yeah. And that is so true. When you, when you look for something positive and you uh, embrace it, it is very difficult to feel downhearted. Um, so I learned that. And the other mantra I had was um, an expression, inhale love, exhale gratitude. So really lean on all the support you've got around you and then exhale the gratitude. And mm. that, that I used to say over and over in my head sometimes when the going got tough. Um, and I found that worked for me as well. But the, the gratitude diary, Nikki, had, um, you know, I thought I was doing it for myself, but it ended up being, um, going beyond just benefits for myself. It was inspiring other people towards, um, an attitude of gratitude. So one of my friends who lives over in France said to me, that her and her husband started practicing daily gratitude. Every evening before they had their meal together, they would each say what they were grateful for from their day. And I thought that was just such a beautiful way of weaving it into a family situation. So mm-hmm. I even think families should have a blackboard on the wall somewhere in their common area in their home where um, the family members can you know, talk up things that they're grateful for. I think that yeah. that would be a nice, nice gesture. I absolutely agree with you. You know, it's something that needs to be introduced as a daily habit until it becomes a habit. So, so I am interested to know, Alison, are you, are you still filling out your gratitude diary now that you've come through all of this? Is it still, does it still play such a big part in your life? So I don't do the gratitude diary, the, the public diary anymore at all, and I don't journal it, but I do it in a personal way for myself now. So, yeah. um, if I, and, and often, uh, my reminder is if something's tough, then it's a reminder to say, don't let slip on gratitude. Because yeah. it is in our busy lives, it's quite difficult. I mean, it's quite easy to start forgetting about things like that. But that's my way of being, of being mindful is, is mm-hmm. um, just going back to gratitude once again. And it is human nature, as you say, as soon as things get better, you kind of forget. We forget very quickly. Yes. We forget the suffering yes. and the pain very, very quickly. Thank God for that. Um, but the yeah. right? You want to take through. So, so Alison, um, I love that you took all of this, these practical tips and you put them in the book. And I'd like to read out for the listeners what you do cover. Um, as I said, when I introduced you, I said, you know, this is a book for, to give as a gift if a friend or family member has, 
uh, cancer, and it's not just breast cancer, it's cancer in general. I mean, it's your story, sure. cancer in general. And also if someone wants to buy it for themselves, it's, it's like, kind of like a handbook with a beautiful personal story. So you, you say what to take to chemotherapy sessions. Um, you talk about what to look for when choosing a wig. What side effects a person can expect when having apologies? I've got Hardy Dar singing along. <laughs> what side effects a person can expect when having the various types of cancer treatment? What to say, and I love this one, what to say and what not to say to a cancer patient. How to remove stress from a cancer patient's life. What kind of gifts and gestures are most appreciated. So this is really for everybody. So again, Alison, were you writing this down as it happened or afterwards you go, right now, what would I have wanted to know? So what happened is yes, through the cancer experience, I was exposed to other cancer patients as well as people who were surrounding them, their sort of support teams. And I think because I'm generally an open person and I wear my heart in my sleeve um, people would um, consult me or ask, start asking me questions So, and that was the way I was digging into my own resources as well as learning from others and then I just thought I have to, I have to collate this I didn't write everything down um, at once so I did draw on my memory when I was writing the book but um, it certainly is things that I learned personally but also tips that I learned from other people Along the way, you know, for example, people um, supported cancer patients are so nervous. Uh, sometimes they even avoid being in contact with a cancer patient because they don't know what to say and they don't know how to behave. Um, and that um, you find that cancer patients can be quite hurt and they think they've done something wrong, whereas it's just someone um, not knowing how to cope with the situation. So there are all kinds of um, tricks, um, you know, that I learned through the experience. Another one I, um, I often um, give to, to supporters is people often say to you, everything's going to be all right. And actually, that's probably one of the worst things you can say to a cancer patient because you know that when you had the biopsy, things weren't all right. You know that you've had many curveballs along the cancer treatment experience and things weren't going to be all right. So when, when someone says things are going to be all right, you know, you're going to be okay, it's trivializing someone's fear. So it's probably better to say to them, you know, I can understand it must be such a scary time for you. I really hope that everything's going to be good for you and just know I'm here for you. Mm, yeah. So that's an example of the... It's, it's such a, it, it can be so uncomfortable, I suppose, Alison. People want to reassure you and want you, but you're saying rather just acknowledge what the situation is and be there and just be there. Yes. Be with the tough feelings. Be with the tough situation. That's right. Yeah. And people also forget how tough... It is on the people close to the cancer patient. So on the other hand, some they focus very much on the cancer patient and they forget about their partners or spouse or children and what they may be going through because it's very scary for them as well, mm. you know, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. Mm. So they're probably just as important as the cancer patient um, from a support point of view. Yeah, I hear that. Um, last week, we had a radiologist on the show. We were talking about the importance of early detection and the different, you know, going for the mammogram. Your story is quite interesting, um, Alison, because you had quite a bit of cancer in your family, and um, and I know that your sister had breast cancer. So just very quickly before we do that, right. because I really want to re-emphasize how important it is to go for those checkups. Yes, so Nikki, my sister had breast cancer about 25 years before me. So because I knew I was high, high risk, I used to go for mammograms every single 
single year from the age of 30. And in some deep down, I kind of knew it was going to bite me at some point, although our two cancers were unrelated. But I really would encourage women to go and get tested because early detection can be be the difference between living and dying and it can be the difference of a lifelong struggle, even if you have a long life, with treatment or being able to um, to, to be able to get to a no evidence of disease status. Yeah. Alison, thank you so much. This book is it available at all bookstores? Is, has it been released? Yes. Oh, it has been released. It's available globally um, for e- as an ebook as well as in all good bookstores here in South Africa. Fantastic, fantastic. Alison, thank you so much for joining us. All the very best. Um, thank you, Nikki. And, uh, let's hope lots of people get hold of your book, My Best Worst Year, A Breast, Breast Cancer Story. Lovely having you on the show. Thank you very much.